shows that I can like be in the opposite room and know what's going on, you know? So my shows are Law and Order Special Victims Unit, they're The Office, Friends, and Bones. Sometimes Gilmore Girls. It's so good. It's so good. All of those shows I can put on and I can read, I can work, I can do laundry and still listen to them. And I think I, as I was reading this passage, that's kind of how I felt about today's passage because it's like something that I think we could read. It's not one of those where you get there and you're like, wait. What? That's in the Bible? It's like, okay, all these words, they're pretty churchy words. I've heard them before, and I think we could just breeze past it. And so I'm really excited that we're stopping, and we're really going to dive into them and make sure that we all miss them. So I would encourage you, even though maybe many of us know the gospel and have practiced sharing the gospel, let's pause and let's really dig into what um, these verses mean. And so we're going to start in verse 21. I'm going to read 21 and 26, and then we're kind of going to pause and take it apart and keep going. So verse 21, it says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. And just in that verse, there's so much. So I want to pause really quick. The righteousness of God has been manifested. Manifested, so like appeared. So the righteousness of God has appeared before us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, which is so interesting because the law, we've been, this is what we've been talking about this semester. God, out of his love and grace, gave us the law, but the, the law doesn't save us. If anything, the law is just the standard that says, here's how, fall, how far we've fallen from the law. None of us are exempt. We all, when we are measured up against the law, so against God's commands, against God's truth, every single one of us falls short. So apart from the law, what God's righteousness was manifested, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. What that means is that even pre, even in human history, before Jesus came to earth as a human, died, resurrected. Before that, everything in the Old Testament, if you've maybe heard this before, that the Old Testament, every verse points to Jesus. This was always God's plan. God always, even while we sinned against him, God always was ready to provide his son as a sacrifice for us. So God's righteousness has been manifested, appeared through Jesus, separate from the law, because that didn't save us. But Every, all of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets pointed to this exact way of salvation. So that's what 21 tells us. If we keep reading, uh, 22 says, The righteousness of God, well, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus." 
So as we read this and kind of go back to different pieces of it, what I really just want us to remember is really in verse 23. And it's going to be two main points or basic truths of how we can understand God's righteousness. And the first one is that first part of verse 23. All, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I realized in like recent years, so not a long time ago, that I had that verse memorized. Like you've probably heard that verse before if you've been around church stuff. For all have sinned. I had it memorized. For all have sinned and fall fallen short of the glory of God. As if it's past tense. That's current, right? That says, for all have sinned and fall short. So that's current for us. That means that our sin is our actions. Sometimes it's our lack of actions. It's the things that we do that go against God's way and truth. And sometimes it's the things that we don't do. And not doing that goes against God's way and God's truth. And even when we're not doing anything, our sin is also our broken Flesh. The desire of our flesh is even bad. That's why Paul will probably read it later this semester. That Paul says, like, I don't do what I want to do. What I don't want to do, I do. That's it. That's our broken flesh that just desires things that are instant gratification, that are for right now, that look good in the moment, and we don't see and pursue God's way. And so all of that is ours, and all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. And our, that sin is the same, is the unrighteousness that we have, right? That's what we've been talking about this semester, that God's righteousness is up here and he is perfectly righteous and he's perfect and he's holy and he is like no one else. He is blameless and yet every one of us has fallen from that. And I wanted to like talk, sit and talk about sin for a little while because well, let me tell you why not, why I don't want the wrong reasons to talk about sin. The Sometimes I think we can talk about our sin and, like, glorify it a little bit, you know? Like, oh, those were great times, you know, where I, those were the good days, or different ways that we, like, bring attention to it, because we know it's bad, but it really was really fun, and it was great. And I don't want to talk about sin for that reason, and I don't want to talk about sin for, like, the shame part. And I really, even today when I was praying for tonight and for y'all, I felt that there would be people here today that would walk in with heavy, invisible, spiritual backpacks of weight of the sin and the shame that we're carrying. And that's not because I've decided who that is, that's just something I felt from God, and I think it's important to point out that that's not why we're talking about sin. We're not talking about sin so that I can sit here and make you feel heavier and more shameful and more just heavy and in the dark. That's not the point. The one and only point that I want to, the reason that I bring up sin is because I really, really believe that knowing how heavy and weighty our sin and our brokenness is, I really believe that's what fuels us to realizing that we need a Savior, a perfect Savior. And I've been thinking about who God is, and I realize that sometimes I want God to be a genie. You know, like, okay, can I have this? And then he gives it to me, and I'm good. 
Sometimes I want God to be things that he is, but I just want a piece of them, of those things. So, like, I want God to be my friend and just, like, be on my side for, against, you know, what whoever has hurt me in my life. Or I want even really good things. Like, I want God to be my heavenly father and to protect me and to, you know, give me comfort and acceptance that I we can't find in this world. And that's true. And I want God to be my guide and to teach me and to give me clarity and maybe you guys feel like what's my what's going to be my plan after college or am I in the right major or things like that we seek out God for those things but I really felt the conviction this week that before any of that stuff we need a perfect blameless blemish free savior because we are in desperate need not just like yeah, it'd be nice to get rid of these extra weights I'm carrying, but desperate, desperate need for a Savior, our only hope. We are hopeless without Him. And so when I was reading this section, something really, really small stood out to me, and it's in... was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance that's like mercy holding back his wrath from us he had passed over former sins that means that in and this is kind of crazy but that means that Jesus paid for all sin at all time for all people at one time and the whole time God was always looking forward to the cross God was always putting the sin of all of us, all of us, on Jesus, on the cross. Only Jesus could pay for all sin, for all people, at all time, at one time. And so that section that says that he had passed over former sins, it reminded me of an Old Testament story that I wanted to veer off to really quick. And you maybe heard it in Sunday school kind of a dark story, so I'm curious on how they teach it in Sunday school, but it's when God's people, the Israelites, very early on, second book of the Bible in Exodus, God's people have been enslaved in Egypt for more than 400 years, and in that time, they're obviously suffering, they're crying out to God, and God is saving them from slavery, but he's bringing these plagues onto Egypt so that the Pharaoh will let his people go. That's where that comes from. So in that time, Pharaoh's heart is hard, and so he's not letting them go. And the last, and I think most heartbreaking plague, is that their every firstborn, beast or and human, is going to be struck down. And across all of Egypt, the only exception is going to be those who sacrifice a lamb. Uh, young, there's like really specific directions, like one year old, male, blemish free lamb. The only exception is going to be for the families that sacrifice that perfect lamb, probably something that they could use for a lot of other reasons, but that they would sacrifice their very best and put the blood on the doorposts of their house. And that was the only way. And God's promise in Exodus 12 says 
The blood, this is God speaking, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And if that is not like the perfect symbol for what Jesus has done for us, for who Jesus is, Jesus is the Lamb of God, the best that God had, the only Son. And he poured out his blood for us so that Jesus Christ could pay for our sin, all of our sin, for all people at all times, in at one time. That's who Jesus is. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And I was thinking about how for the Israelites, there's two things that I think are really interesting to remember the difference, and that's mercy and grace. You might have heard this before, but this really helped my understanding of grace. Mercy is not getting the punishment that you rightly deserve. So that's like getting pulled over and the cop, you rightly deserve a speeding ticket, but the cop doesn't give it to you. That's mercy. But grace is receiving something that you don't deserve. So like receiving something more than you deserve. So that would be like the cop giving you money and uh, get out of jail free card something that's like an extra gift you already saved the punishment you already saved the due punishment like you totally deserve to get a speeding ticket because you were speeding but he gave you mercy and then he gave us grace so for us that means that mercy is that God has punished the all of our sin on the cross at one time for all of us, for all of our sin. And mercy is that that saves us from our due punishment. Like, I am due punishment today. I've really felt my humanity today. And I don't know if it's the way that God wanted to prepare my heart, but I have really felt how even when I'm trying to do good, I stray away. And even when I'm trying to do my very best, I get distracted, I get frustrated, I get tired, I all of the stuff that comes with being a broken person. And so if we have been saved, our due punishment. And not only that, our due punishment is eternal separation from God. That's hell. That's what hell is. The worst thing about hell is that anything that could exist in it, it's that God is not there. And therefore, every good thing is also not there. That's the worst thing about hell. So that's our what we've been saved is that through faith as a gift and what we've been given the grace part is that we get eternity with God not only do we not have to suffer through eternal punishment but we get eternity with God forever and starting now that's grace we've been given something that we we already saved the punishment but God goes even further and gives us Grace, grace that covers us all the time, every day that we can ask for whenever we need it, which is all the time. It's always abounding. It's always lavish on us. So those two basic truths that reveal God's righteousness are one, they're both from that verse 23. One is that all have sinned and fall short. The second one is the rest of that verse, and it says, and all are also justified by his grace. As a gift. 
through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, through the blood of the Lamb of God. He has passed over our sins through the blood of the perfect Lamb. Verse 26 says, This, or the gospel, it was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I have never realized that verse. Like, do you, does that happen to you where you know you read something, but you read it and you're like, I, my eyes have never seen those words. That's how I felt this week about that verse. So that he might be just and the justifier. I love what J.D. said a couple weeks ago, how God will not lower the bar for us. He is perfect and righteous and holy. And so he won't compromise that to let us, to let sin in with us. He won't lower the bar for us. So there has to be payment. There has to be a way that we can be reunited back to the Father. He won't lower the bar. And so when what I've been thinking about this week is that the cross is where justice and love meet. The cross is where justice and love meet. Justice is there because God's wrath is shed, am I not being the right verb there, but shed on our sin. Like our sin is punished on the cross. So it is justly paid for. The lamb has been sacrificed. The blood has been spilled. We are covered. But love, that's where love meets because it's Jesus, God, fully God and fully man, who would be the only one who didn't deserve that punishment, took it, took the punishment of a criminal to be on our behalf at the cross. That's where justice and love meet. I um, looked up the, that's why it says in that verse, just and the justifier. He is perfectly just, but he is also the one who comes in and justifies on our behalf. He holds, he is the judge, and he is the one that sacrifices for us. He is just and the justifier. And I looked up all of these um, verbs, or I guess wording, of what the Bible says that God has done with our sin. And that's how I want to kind of go into the end today, because this is why the gospel means good news. All of these ten things. Because of the cross, God forgives our transgression. He covers our sin. He doesn't charge us with iniquity. He removes our sins from us. He washes away our guilt and cleanses us from our sin. He throws all our sin behind his back. He sweeps away our transgressions. He remembers our sins no more. He casts all our sins into the depth of the sea. He nailed our debt to the cross. Those, that, those things are good news. That's why it's the gospel. It's good news. God did that with our sin. And that message, as simple as the gospel is, that message cannot get old. And when it gets old on us, that's when we have to reevaluate, re-humble ourselves before God and remember that this is the point, the pinnacle, the, the basis of our faith is that Jesus, by Jesus, by the cross, where justice and love meet, is where we're able to access reconciled relationship with the Father. The only reason we're even able to come in here and worship Him because of what Jesus did so that we can be temples of the Holy Spirit all received through faith only. There's this 
second section, and I just want to end with it because I really, it talks about like works and the balance. It touches a little bit on faith and works, but I really believe that when I understand and I'm aware of the faith part, like when I remember everything we've been talking about, about how all have sinned and fall short and all are justified by faith. So if we believe we are justified, if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he died on the cross and that payment, his life was enough, his blood was enough to cover us, then we have eternal life. And everything that comes after that, all of the like, what do I do after college? What do I do about my major? What do I do about this? How do I treat people better? How do I love people better? All of that comes after. Because if we get it switched, it's so easy. And it's so easy for me to get caught up with the works part and to think that I'm actually adding to my salvation by doing good things for God. I'm not. Jesus' sacrifice was the only thing that was enough. And that makes my salvation guaranteed. Not because I feel like I have some faith that's like amazing and believes God without doubting, but just because I know that that's the only chance. It's all Jesus, all his sacrifice, and it's worthy. He is worthy. His blood being shed on the cross is worthy. And so that being said, let's read this last section. It's verses 27 to 31. And it says, Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. That basically summarizes the things that we've been talking about. And it also tells us that we don't go the one extreme that's like, I have faith and God forgives me, so I'm just going to go squander my life. No, if we really understand the mercy and the grace that we've been shown, then everything else is about that overflow.